Hare Krishna Iti Mantrena Paschacha Prachatarane Vishvacharja Prabharjaja Divya Karunyamurtaye Shri Bhagavata Madhurya Gita Jnana Pradayane Gaura Shri Rupa Siddhanta Saraswati Nishebine Radha Krishna Padamboja Pringaya Gurave Namaha Devam Divyatanum Suchandavaranam Balarka Chelanchitam Sandrananda Puram Sadeka Varanam Bhairagya Bittam Budim Shisedanta Nidhim Subhakti Lasitam Saraswatanam Varam Pandetam Shubadam Adeka Sharanam Nyashishwaram Sridharam Namahum Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Shrimati Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Ti Namine Shri Varshavana Videvi Doitaya Kripabdaye Krishna Sambandha Vikyana Dayine Prabhabe Namaha Madhu Yujvala Premadya Sri Rupanuga Bhaktida Shri Gaura Karuna Shakti Vigrahaya Namostute Namaste Goravani Shri Murtaye Dinatarene Rupanuga Virudhapa Siddhanta Dantaharene Namo Gora Kishoraya Sakshat Bhairagya Murtaye Vipralambara Sambode Padambujayate Namaha Namo Bhakti Binodaya Satchirananda Namine Gora Shakti Surupaya Rupanuga Varayate Vande Shri Krishna Chaitanya Nityananda Sahodito Gurudai Pushpavanto Chitrosando Tumonaho Shri Guru Vaishnava Guru Paramparaki Jai Bhakti Vinod Paribharaki Jai Vaishnava Vrindaki Jai Gaur Nityananda Ki Jai Shri Sri Krishna Balaramji Ki Jai Radha Gobinda Dev Ki Jai Gaur Bhakti Vrindaki Jai Nice to be with you all this morning, and uh, we'll be here for a couple of weeks, so hopefully we can have a number of inspiring discussions. Today we, um, I would would like to speak on uh, a poem, a poem. Song of Narutam Thakur that most of you are familiar with. At some point, we can we can sing it. Um, and this is a poem from his Prem Bhakti Chandrika Narutam Thakur courses. Disciple uh, um, of Lokanath Goswami, and um, he wrote a number of poems and also developed a style of, uh, of kirtan that uh, is very famous 
in the Gaudiya community. And in Prabhupada's language, he, Narutam Thakur, took the um, complex teachings of the scriptures and put them in simple Bengali language that they might be shared, communicated, understood by the masses, which he was um, very much involved with in comparison to uh, the reclusive nature of Lokanath Goswami. Um, indeed, to underscore the, the difference, um, Lokanath uh, had one disciple, Narutam Thakur, and Narutam Thakur had many, many disciples. Doesn't make Lokanath any less, certainly not in the mind of uh, Narutam Thakur, who begins his Prema Bhakti Chandrika, of course, appropriately so, with respect to Sri Guru Oma Jnana Timirandasya, Gyananjana Salakaya, Chaksurun Militam Yena Tasmai, Sri Gurave Namaha, the famous Sanskrit uh, verse, uh, glorifying Sri Guru, and then he follows that by this, this poem. Hmm. Song. Um, and um, it reminds me, I'm just reminded at the moment of Pujapad Sridhar speaking to us about the, with an emphasis as he often made on substance over form, in this uh, in particular. Um, in this instance, with regard to the, the succession of um, gurus, um, we refer to our particular lineage as the Bhakti Vinod Paribar. Um, Paribar means like community, family. It's a, it's a, it's a, a popular uh, term. Uh, invoked by Gaudiya's Nityananda Paribar, Advaita Paribar, so on and so forth. Um, we refer to our Paribar as the Bhakti Vinod Paribar because uh, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who was um, who had two gurus, Bhakti Vinod Thakur himself, his father, who gave him Harinam, the Shringa Mantra, and so much Siksha that really carried the day in terms of how he ended up. Um, contributing to the mission as a uh, uh, with a wide preaching campaign rather than um, as, an, as a recluse um, and his other guru his Nishi Diksha Mantra guru was of course Gorkishor Das Babaji who was a recluse and um, it's uh, thought that he was Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthitakura the lone disciple of of uh, Lokanath Goswami, excuse me, of uh, uh, Das Babaji. <clears throat> and obviously Saraswati Thakur did a lot. We're here all as a result of his, his campaign taking up the spirit of Bhakti Mode. Pujapachita Maharaj used to say that the idea um, came in, in, in the heart and mind of Bhakti Mode, idea of taking Gaudiya Vaishnavism, putting it on the stage along with the world's religions, if you will. Uh, and that Saraswati Thakur, his 
son and disciple gave shape to the idea and his disciple Bhaktivedanta Swami took it around the world. Hmm. Prabhupada, my Guru Maharaj, used to refer to his movement, if you look carefully at his writing, as the movement of Bhakti Vinod. So, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur in his time was approached at times by his disciples who in the public were asked, what is your paribar? What paribar are you connected with? Because they wore a, more or less a generic form of tilak. Each of the paribars have their own specific tilak. Hmm. Um, there have been some academic work on that that's uh, of interest. Uh, all the different Gaudiya tilaks with the different uh, paribars. Um, and they didn't re- really quite know how to reply. After all, their guru was, their, had a, his nam guru, Bhakti Vinod, who was uh, a member of the Nityananda Paribar. And Gorkhashardas Babaji Maharaj's Diksha guru was from the uh, Advaita Paribar. And they stood out very prominently in those paribars to the extent that they eclipsed, to a large extent, even predecessor acharyas for at least a few generations back, their contributions. Well, Bhaktivinoda's contribution, obviously, and the persona of Gorkhashadas Babaji Maharaj as a recluse. Uh, there are some very... Um, startling but inspiring anecdotes about his life, even some academic work in which he's, his um, his inner absorption is, uh, along with other sadhus of the time, is, is included. <clears throat> Things like taking an eggplant and holding it in his hands, offering it to Bhagwan, and then eating it. <laughs> Not the most appetizing <laughs> or digestible, but uh, he was living in another another plane. Um, so he, he was prominent in, in his time in in that way. But um, comparatively, the contribution of Bhakti Sadant appeals to us more because, well, uh, we're here because of it, and the reclusive status and inner absorption of. Gorkhashardas Babaji emerges is a little more distant. It's not reaching out to us. Indeed, he told Saraswati Thakur, his disciple, don't preach that. You're just going to be bothered by that. You'll get in the way of your bhajan. I can relate to that. <laughs> also, <laughs> there's some truth to that. Um, there's another side to it, of course, as well. Um, so, the anecdote, anyway, the story that I'm reminded of is how when Pujapad Sridharmaraj authorized one of Prabhupada's disciples, Bhakti Sudhir Goswami, who had taken sannyas from him, uh, to, yes, you can start a temple in the West uh, under my auspices, if, if, if you like. This was at a time when the International Society for Krishna Consciousness that we were all in some way connected to, and I was a formal member of being a disciple of Prabhupada, accepting all three initiations from him and so forth. We had the administrative body had some um, misunderstanding of the position of Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj and band associating with him, which um, some of us didn't agree with. And so, you know the story. Um, so this was the first temple then that was coming out of that, a new species, so to speak, 
disciples of Prabhupada, influenced by, inspired by uh, Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj, their Siksha Guru. In some cases, he became the Sannyas Guru of them, as in the case of Bhakti Sudhir Goswami, godbrother of mine, for example, who then started to take the recorded tapes, um, dis- uh, tape discussions, which he personally taped, the Pujapachita margin with his permission, turned them into books, and we've seen some of those books, Sri Gurdjieff's Grace, uh, the Lo- Loving Search for the Lost Servant, and so on and so forth. Um, so, at any rate, when he set up his altar, Sudhir Goswami, in his temple, he thought that, yes, let us place on here the, the, the pictures of the gurus who have contributed most... Uh, substantially, uh, because the argument of Pujapachita Maharaj is, of course, that there are many scientists, hmm, but there's a few Einsteins, Newtons, um, and and so on that stand out amongst the many stars, like like moons and change paradigms, uh, and so on and so forth, and so. We, one way to draw the line is through those moons, which goes may go in a zigzag way like this, rather than in a straight line. After all, you want a pranali, a line, a siddha pranali, that, that, that is actually full of siddhas, not just a line, and you call it siddha because it's straight. <laughs> siddha also means cooked. <laughs> to cook like... Well done. <laughs> so, um, uh, so, so, uh, our paribar, if you will, coming from Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasthi Thakur, which he referred to when his disciples asked, What paribar are we from? He said, You tell them the Bhakti Vinod paribar. Hmm. Um, so, we're in the Bhakti Vinod paribar. Just complete that point. His idea there, a few points here at once. His idea there, of course, was that well, here is a, a giant person in in the, in the Gaudiya community overall, and we're connected with him. We can refer to our line as the Bhakti Vinod Paribar Paribar as, for example, some refer to Lokanath's lineage as the Narottam Paribar, or. To, to the Shamananda Paribar. Each of these two Paribars, Narottam Paribar, Shamananda Paribar, Paribar referred to not the original founders, but persons who made very unique contributions. Uh, the contribution of Narottam was broad in its preaching, hmm? and and then the, there was internal reasons behind the forming of the Shamananda Paribar, but uh, Shamananda, Shamananda is kind of the originator of the Paribar in a sense, but he had a guru, Hridaya hmm? Chaitanya, and um, he was not personally um, an associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, nor was Narottam. They came like half a generation later. The Paribars are thought to begin only with the original associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, with whom he comes to the world, and so forth. But these are two examples of, of how Gaudiya's referred to luminaries in the lineage and their lineage by their name Narottam Paribar Shamananda Paribar Paribar even though they were not personally associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu so Bhaktivinoda Paribar he wasn't a personally 
present at the time of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's uh, Leela, but um, Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur chose to refer to him uh, in our Paribar as such. So, back to Sudhir Goswami, when he made the altar, he was thinking, well, you know, I'll put uh, this picture or this picture, and Gorkishore, well, he didn't, he wasn't really, didn't make a substantial contribution, so I'll take him off the altar. So there's Prabhupada and Sridhar Maharaj and Bhakti Siddhanta and Bhakti Binod, and he did like this. So this news of this came back to Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj, and he called him and said, what, what have you what have you done? Were you not putting Gorkishore, that's Babaji's picture, on the altar? Hmm. And he said, well, I thought, you know, in light of your teaching, you know, what was his substantial, you know, contribution? And Bhakti, and Srinabharsh roared back, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati. <laughs> that was his contribution. So that picture quickly went up on the altar. Hmm. So Krishna moves his devotees in different ways, some to move in a more reclusive direction, some in a more outgoing um, direction. And um, we have to evaluate their status by their measure of their faith and their inner uh, uh, absorption, out of which only the successful uh, dissemination can can arise. So, um, anyway, Narottam Thakur was a lone disciple of Loganath. We don't mean to dismiss him at all, and his name comes up in this um, song that I'm going to go through and um, uh, try to shed some light on the implications of what Narottam has uh, written here. This is very, at the very beginning of Prem Bhakti Chandrika, which is a book, incidentally, that Gorkhashardas Babaji Maharaj carried with him wherever he went. He said he was illiterate. I'm not sure what that meant. Hmm? It probably meant not that he couldn't read, but that he wasn't educated and uh, maybe didn't know Sanskrit and so forth. But surely he spoke Bengali and he, and he could read the songs of Narutam Thakur. And he felt echoing, or Prabhupada was kind of echoing him in a sense that all of the secrets of the Vedas are found in the songs of Narutam Thakur. Put in, it's quite a feat to take such complicated theological, philosophical ideas and put them into Bengali poetry that lend themselves to song. And so, a huge contribution on the part of Narutam uh, Thakur. And this song um, is famous in ISKCON. It was introduced in ISKCON. Um, I don't remember what year, but I was. it's a nice story connected with it. At the time... Um, in Iskon, uh, in, in all of the centers, which were fairly uniform in how they, in their liturgy, uh, we would rise in the morning, attend the Mongol Artik, we would sing the, the Guru Vastakam prayers of Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur. And um, then afterwards, later in the morning, at about 6 or 6.30, uh, those disciples that were free and didn't have services like cooking or worshipping the deity and whatnot, as may be the case, they would sit at the this is how we did it in New Dwarka in Los Angeles, at, at the base of Prabhupada's excuse me, Vyasa San, and we would sing those prayers again 
Hmm? And that was uh, like a, a, the Guru Puja, so to speak. Uh, one occasion we were singing it wrong, and instead of saying, uh, what is, how does it end? One day, Guru, we were singing one day, Guru, or the cow, you know, based to the cow rather than the Guru. Prabhupada heard it, and he was kind of amused by that and corrected us. But of course, it's Krishna will say in those instances, Puja Pachita Marsh would say, I, I think you meant this, right? Because Baba Grahijan Arden, he's listening to the heart, he's feeling the heart, that's what's being offered. Mm-hmm. So, we didn't have, we weren't offering arati to Prabhu, which is pretty customary now in all of the temples of Iskon, and singing this particular song, Sri Guru Charana Padma Kebala Bhakti Sadma. Um, so, one day we were in Calcutta. At that time, the Calcutta Math was a rented uh, building, and um, we went on a walk with Prabhupada. And a couple of his disciples, unbeknownst to me, um, had talked with one another and come up with a with a plan. And their plan was to see if we couldn't offer arti to Prabhupada directly in a Guru Puja, which apparently they had maybe seen elsewhere or heard or it you know, was, was, was done or something to that effect. So when we were on the walk, one of the disciples asked Prabhupada, is it appropriate to offer arti to the Guru? Hmm? What did we know? You know but anyway, uh, Prabhupada said, yes, of course, it must, it should be done. <laughs> and Prabhupada would say things like this and he'd be thinking, of course, we, we, you know, he was thinking, of, yes, you should not. Not thinking you should offer arti to me, but I'll give you another example of this. One time in a lecture in Mayapur, he said, "And so you know, the uh, um, uh, was in uh, relative to the discussion, which I don't recall all of it, obviously." But um, he said, "So the, uh, the guru should be referred to as, as Takur. Takur means God." Mm-hmm. And uh, and and he closed the, the lecture and he went upstairs and we followed him upstairs and and uh, I think it was Bhakti Chru Swami said uh, at the time probably we were we were thinking that uh, we'd like to refer to you as Takwar and Prabhupada said why like that's how distanced he was you know from how we you know heard it and understood it and we said well you just said it and Prabhupada said well not not now not yet and maybe 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 later like. After I'm gone, or something, something like that. So he was very humble and in, uh, in, in, in his own uh, way, uh, despite his extraordinary campaign. Um, but uh, Prabhupada, so Prabhupada said, "Yes, of course, it's your duty." And so then, those two disciples slipped to the back of the group on the walk and ran to the, the temple and arranged for the for an arti when Prabhupada came back. Because so Prabhupada would walk, he would greet the deities, hmm? and then he'd go sit on his asana and, and chant Jai Radha and give a class. So they had the arti paraphernalia all ready for when Prabhupada sat down. And Achyutananda Maharaj taught them the song, this song, Sri Guru Charana Padma. And so they gave out some sheets and, and the arctic began and then we sang the song for the first time. And then, we didn't have internet in those days, but there was a way things got around nonetheless <laughs> and pretty quickly because within a week, every temple in Iskon was singing the song 
and offering arti to Prabhupada, and when it's gone on, and you know, it'll go on eternally in that uh, in that sangha. Hmm. It's very sweet. So that's how it came. We came to know about it, <laughs> and um, yeah, some of you are familiar with it. Most of you, but let's see if we can look at it. Um, uh, verse by fir- verse, word by word, and uh, what, what we might be able to draw from it. I should say that there is a very brief commentary on Prem Bhakti Chandrika by Vishwanath Chakrati Thakur. Hmm. And um, so some of the things that we'll draw from it have come from his insight. Nortam Thakur Ki Jai. Lokanath Thakur Ki Jai. So the verse began, the song began, Sri Guru Charana Padma, Kebala Bhakti Sadma, Bandhu Mui Namate. So here Nautam Thakur says, Sri Guru Charana Padma. Charana Padma means lotus feet. This is one meaning. And Sri Guru obviously is a, uh, in itself, reverential way of referring to the Guru, Shri Guru. Um, Shri Guru, Charana Padma. But the word uh, Charana, Charana means feet, and Padma means lotus. So this is very common, right? The, the, the idea of lotus feet of the Guru, lotus feet of Krishna. Um, the lotus is a symbol of beauty in the uh, Sanskrit uh, poetry, mm-hmm. and it also um, resides in the water, but above the water. Mm-hmm. It reaches down with its stem into the mud, mm-hmm. and the flower itself sits above the water. I believe in the Gita, Krishna has referred to the status of the sadhu guru, as may be the case here, um, being one who, like the lotus, hmm, is in the water but above the world. He or she is in the world. Did I say world? In the water but above the water. He is, or she is in the world but not of the world. Hmm. And that's a very unique... uh, combination, if you will. So he goes down into the world, she goes down into the world, in the mud of the world, if you will. Here we are. And uh, rises above it at the same time and shows what you could be, what could come out of that mud by good association. Hmm. So the lotus uh, is an example of this. And, And it's thought that the guru's feet never touch the ground. Now you may, you may be an illusion to thinking that you've seen your guru walking on the ground. Um, but of course, this is a this is a, a again a poetic a, a expression. We see uh, in in the in the artwork of the Bhagavatam, Narutam or excuse me, uh, Narada appearing as the guru of Vyas to correct him. When Vyasa is feeling despondent, having compiled all the Vedic literature, and feeling not complete, something's missing, and Narada's guru appears on the scene, and of course, he's floating above the earth, bearing his vena, and so on, 
transcendental spaceman we used to think of him as in uh, in Iskon. So he doesn't touch touch the touch the ground. Mm-hmm. But of course, this is the, the essential spiritual idea of it to be in the world, but not of the world, and to um, um, and be a uh, um, a kind of a, uh, a he, he's described here as the, the abode of Prem Bhakti, that place beginning at his his feet or her feet, where we can we can connect with um, our highest uh, prospect, that which will uh, bring out uh, all the the beauty the, of the self in relation to uh, Bhagwan. Uh, that said, the word charana also means venerable in and of itself. So sometimes we find in the literature uh, Guru Charana, uh, Rupa Goswami Charan. Uh, so it means feet and it means reverent. It's a, it's a, it's a reverential um, way of uh, address. So the address here is full of great uh, respect. Sri Guru, Charana, Padma. And Padma means feet again. So this is the, the, the lowest part of the body. Hmm. Used to be that when sadhus did move about, they only moved um, by foot. It was thought to be inappropriate for a a sadhu to adopt a means of conveyance other than the feet, which was something that stood out in in the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsali Thakur when, for example, he wore patent leather shoes and rode in, in an automobile on occasion, which was um, his way, of course, of trying to trying to bring in the British. I guess at the time, patent leather shoes were were hip, uh, and uh, and uh, and to have an Indian sadhu that rode in a car like them, wore shoes like them, well, they could identify with that. So he was able, due to the depth of his insight and realization and commitment to, as Pujapachitamar said, giving shape to the idea of Bhaktivinotaka, what that would take. He conducted himself in these ways. But Previous to that, it was a, it was a more accustomed that you would go by your feet. So before you come to the temple, you go to a lot of temples in India, old temples. There'll be a pump outside. That was where you would wash your feet before going into the temple. Nowadays, we wear shoes and socks, and still they want to take the shoes and the socks off. And the guru and washes feet and so forth. It's a, it's a nice cultural thing that doesn't work too good with the Western mind. <laughs> I would say, and those are details. Uh, what Narottam is is exhibiting here is great, great respect for the guru, which will have a you know in his time and um, in the Indian subcontinent there are cultural ways to express that, and so forth. Um, we may do it differently here. That, that's that, that's all right. Um, details uh, we have to differentiate from from principles, but here in principle. We find great respect 
for the, the person of the Guru on the part of Narutam, and as he begins his song, Shri Guru Charana Padma, Kebala Bhakti Sadma. He says those lotus feet, which then by extension includes the entire Sadaka Deha of the Guru, are the uh, the Keval Bhakti Sadma. They're the abode Sadma of Keval Bhakti. So here in uh, offering respect to Sri Guru, he introduces what Sri Guru in the Gaudiya Vaishnava, from the Gaudiya Vaishnava perspective, is all about. That means Keval Bhakti. Keval Bhakti is uh, another term, Keval is another term, um, sometimes we hear Sudha Bhakti, um, uh, Uttam Bhakti, Ananya Bhakti, Keval Bhakti. Keval means only, singular, exclusive. Um, all these um, terms that I just cited are ways of referring to the Bhakti that has been enunciated by Srila Rupa Goswami in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, which therein he refers to as Uttam Bhakti, drawing on verses from Bhagavatam, verses from uh, Nard Pancharatna, um, where different terms um, are used. Nard Pancharatna says what? Sarvopadi banir muktam tatprat venanirmalam rishikena rishikesha sevnam bhakti bhakti ruchite. So, Bhagavatam Savai Pumsam Paro Dharma. Paro Dharma. So there are many ways of referring to it, but he has used the word here, Kaval. It means um, that in his very onset here, his introductory uh, uh, verses to his Prem Bhakti Chandrika, that he, he informs us that what what's going to unfold here as we go forward is the teaching of Rupa Goswami concerning Uttam Bhakti, the, in which the preliminary, if you will, angas or limbs of are three, all in relation to Sri Guru. Guru Padashraya, Diksha Shikshadi, and um, Vishrambena Guru Seva. So, when Rupa Goswami begins to enunciate what is Uttam Bhakti in terms of how it's um, expressed, how it's participated in, hmm? um, uh, he refers to these modes of expression as angas, limbs of the angi, the body of Uttam Bhakti. Hmm? He defines Uttam Bhakti on well, anyabilashita shunyam gyan karmali anabhitam anukulena krishnanushilanam bhakti rutam. It's a uh, whole book expands really out of this uh, verse, <clears throat> but um, in brief, as many of you are familiar, but worth repeating, the marginal characteristics of uttam bhakti are that it's not covered by gyan or uh, karma. <clears throat> Um, that means that jnan and karma, these are two paths given in the Vedic literature. Hmm? Karma is the general path, the, the social religious path, how to be an ethically, morally correct religious person, how to bring the entirety of your humanity in touch with divinity. Hmm? 
Um, and so therein, there is an advocacy of the of a polytheistic kind of perspective, hmm? worshiping different gods or uh, aspects, macrocosmic aspects of the world uh, that um, have some bearing over our microscopic sense of self. For example, we need sun, the macrocosma, to macrocosmic uh, manifestation uh, of divinity in a sense to see with our eyes Uh, we need uh, 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 wind to talk uh, and so on and so forth so so that's that's, we don't uh, this is a beautiful thing actually this is the the karma market it's a very, very beautiful thing um, but it falls short in terms of being an ultimate uh, a, a path that will lead to a goal that is uh, um, worthy of attaining from which there will be no return, for example. Gyan, on the other hand, is when the karma marg is tread successfully, hmm, when we inquire into the scripture as to how to conduct ourselves as a human being, hmm, reverentially with regard for nature and um, to the extent that we, we, we find gods and goddesses presiding over mountains and, and rivers and, and so on and so forth, living in a very uh, uh, subjective, poetic, um, meditative of, of, of sorts, uh, worldview, completing that course, hmm, Finding that living a life that corresponds with the scriptural injunctions is fruitful and bountiful, happy, relatively speaking. One looks a little deeper into what what might be found in the scripture and finds that the real fruit of the karma mark hmm, is not the things that you get, but the faith that you get in the efficacy of scripture, which is the voice of the Godhead, beginning as it does with Om a big affirmation that answers the questions that human beings are, which is, why? We are the why. Why am I? Why? Meaning, purpose. Is there a meaning? Is there purpose? What is my meaning? What is my purpose? And Om says, yes, you're on the right track. That's a good question. You're starting, the more you pursue the why, hmm, the more human you become. And, and and the answer, of course, as I like to say, the answer to why, which is a subjective question coming from consciousness, the answer can't come from the objective world, nature. Quantitative world can't answer the qualitative question. You follow me? So nature... If we ask the why, we'll push us in the direction of her source from where we can get the answer. That's what scripture is about. It's, uh, it's coming from, from the realm of consciousness to answer the question that consciousness is asking. Why am I? This surfaces in human life because the atma comes to the surface more so in human life than it does in other less complex species of life. And they'll get there too. 
And we'll go there, too, <laughs> back down if we don't use the human life to ask the question seriously. And, of course, in asking the question seriously, we have to come to the conclusion that it's not something that can be figured out with the gray matter between my ears. And all of the answers that seek to, all the attempts to do so, we'll find they're, they're just, they fall short. No matter how fancily how 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 trickly how 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 much you how well how well you can speak about them reason about them reason itself goes out the window with these reductive perspectives that are prominent in the philosophical world today so oh answer and then so many and do it and so many further directions are there to help us right so the fruit what i'm saying of the karma mark is that we find that when I turn to the scripture, I led a more bountiful life, a happy life. Hmm? So I got faith in the scripture. So I look for that faith is the real fruit because then I can look further. Hmm? What else is it saying here? And I'll, oh, it's saying you're not a human. You're more than, you are the more that meets the eye, that doesn't meet the eye and the mind of your life that you're looking for. Hmm? You are that. If you're interested in God, look at yourself. You're the thing that's most like God, and you're not a thing. The best things in life are not things. Hmm. That is, everything gets, whoa, whoa, where am I here? The objective world, we kind of kind of hold on, but but to what? We think we can hold on, but everything's here today and gone tomorrow. So, so anyway, from karma to gyan. So the, and then the gyan is the direct pursuit of 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 the self and it's taken up by persons who have kind of played themselves out in terms of the karma mark this is the general rule and there's a kind of a a slight in between there where we go from karma which is a life of material acquisition licensed license taking you get a license you can take and so within certain limitations, parameters, and so forth. And if you get, you see the futility of taking, hmm, then uh, then just not take, right? That This is the gyan mark, not to take. Hmm, that less is more. Right? To move, move in this direction. This is the gyan mark. So when develops... Adhikar for that, then dhyan, meditation support. The in between these two, karma and gyan, is the nishkam karma, nishkam karma. So go ahead and do the karma, follow the varnashram as the system is, but without attachment to the results, because you can't just sit down and meditate. You're, you're going in a certain trajectory for a long time. How long? Forever. Anadi, without any beginning. Now you're going to change the course this is huge so do it like this we keep moving in that direction but that but don't be attached to the result give up the fruits in fact if you can give the fruits if you can do the work and what you need to sustain yourself and reasonably and then your what the abundance that rises above that give that to Bhagwan. Hmm. that becomes then stepping stone to bhakti 
or nishkam karma, give up the fruits, go to gyan. So anyway, karma and gyan, these are two paths of the Vedas. We, we, we respect them. Do not respect them is a nam aparad. But the desire for them, that we say that you're cheating yourself, that is kaitava dharma. You're just cheating yourself there. Bhakti comes to us through sadhu sangha and it doesn't seek the qualification that jnana seeks. It only seeks faith through which will arise naturally through associating those who are driven by that faith and inner experience themselves. So when Rupa Goswami is speaking about Uttam Bhakti, he says it's Bhakti it's not covered by jnana or karma. He means that this is an independent path from karma and jnana. You may recall, I cited Vyasa earlier, he wrote the whole Bhagavatam, excuse me, he wrote all the Vedic literatures, and he wasn't satisfied. And Nara told him, because you have not emphasized bhakti in such a way that people could even understand, it's it's a path unto itself. Hmm? People might think, yes, I will do worship, and the worship will help me get liberation. Hmm? I will worship the God, and then I will know I am God. Or one may think that uh, that as in the karma mark there is upasana, worship of different gods and goddesses, as I mentioned earlier. So the worship of Vishnu is there too. Hmm? It's good. It's another form of upasana. So they may just think bhakti just can just kind of can reduce it into 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 into, into uh, karma or in the gyan mark hmm? make it. A means to the ends of of gyan, mukti unto itself. So he, he told him to rewrite the Bhagavad Purana, go into a trance, you're capable, samadhi danusmuratadbhijeshtitam, and what comes of that? We write about that. So his trance is mentioned in the Bhagavatam Vyasas, and of course this is the achintibeda beda perspective. He saw Bhagavan with his with his shakti, like he saw the moon in its halo. That means it's surup shakti. Hmm. He saw its shadow, the maya shakti, and he saw the jivas hmm. in the shadows and the remedial measure for that hmm. bhakti. So, so the bhakti, keval bhakti that he refers to here, Uttam Bhakti Rupa Goswami is not a bhakti that it's independent of karma and jnana. We don't do bhakti because we don't do bhakti and worry like Arjuna worried in the Gita. Hmm. You're asking me to take up this bhakti yoga, but if I, it doesn't seem that easy. Got to control the mind. It's like trying to capture the wind. I might not be successful, and in the course of doing so, I will have foregone all the rules of the Barn Ashram, and I'll be culpable for that. What's my position? What did Krishna tell him? Do this bhakti, and even if you're imperfect in it, you'll get the result that you could have got, got by perfectly executing Barn Ashram for hundreds of lifetimes, and more. Such is the power of, of, of bhakti. 
So we don't think that that if I do Varnashram, my bhakti will be improved. That's to have your bhakti covered by, by karma. Or that if I don't do some Varnashram rule, my bhakti will be will will be uh, negatively affected. No. Hmm. And not covered by jnana, so we don't do bhakti for mukti. After all, bhakti can give mukti, even the jnanis agree with that. But mukti can't give bhakti. So, it's obvious, right? <laughs> bhakti, is, bhakti is superior. So, anyway, these are the marginal characteristics, right? Bhakti, it's not uh, uttam bhakti, not covered by jnana or karma, or... It, it, it's 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 not meant to facilitate the pursuit of of, of non karmic desires, just ordinary desires. It's not for that purpose. It's for its own purpose, and the purpose is to, is to satisfy Bhagwan an ongoing Krishna Nushil and an ongoing ever forever. One of my godbrothers asked Pujapat Sridhar you know, uh, you're talking about always like selfless giving and. and isn't there any point that, you know, we can take something? <laughs> he said, no. <laughs> the giving, of course, is, 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 the, uh, is the gift, right? The giving is the gift. Right? The destination, even the, even the, even the, even the destination is the, is the path because the sadhana and the sadhya, they're one. You have to realize this. When you realize this, then you have some taste for bhakti. As Mahaprabhu says, "Mama janmani janmani bhavata bhakti I thought of birth, transcending birth and death. I forgot about it. Sometimes the devotees ask me, "Can you go back to God in one life?" I say, "In one life, you will." <laughs> Which one? <laughs> the one where you forget about asking that question, <laughs> where you're no longer because you're so absorbed in bhakti that, as Mahaprabhu said, "I only want bhakti." I don't care about it. whether wherever I am. It doesn't matter, mm. right? So this is what we want to be in the world, but not of the world. So this oh, low battery here. It's going to be okay. So he says, "Keval bhakti, Shri Guru Charana Padma, Keval bhakti sadma." That you are respect to you, your feet. I touch your feet, even. Hmm? Where it's, not, it's this is not a foot fetish, you know, kind of cult <laughs> like that. This would be some modern, you know, Freudian interpretation. There, the Chaitanya was a fetish, foot had a foot fetish. You know, the Hindus, <laughs> no, it's not like that. Remember when I was a very young young boy, somehow I I heard that Hindus cover their feet. Hindu women. And I thought, what part of the body is attractive? It must be arbitrary. <laughs> it was just a thought that came to my mind from I was a child at the time. <laughs> I tried to philosophize about that. <laughs> so uh Anyway, the feet, of course, you know, we touch the feet. This is, we, we, we like to, it's, in the Western world, it's, it used to be said anyway that you have to step on the head of others to get ahead. And we say you have to be head stepped on 
to get ahead by the right by the right foot. This is how we'll we'll, we'll progress. That said, speaking about lotus feet, I was sitting on the veranda with Puja Patrida Marsh, his veranda, on one occasion, and one of my godbrothers from Iskon had come to visit, and he was a um, a well-known fellow and rather likable fellow, uh, Kirtanir. His name was Guru, Guru Kripa Swami. Some of you know him. So he came there, and um, Pujapachun Marsh sat, and as he would, and would answer the questions, and when it was over, um, he uh, started a kirtan, which was like we would do in Iskon, but it, you know we weren't doing it there. It was diff- it was a different system, so it was like, what? and then he then he went to, to touch the feet of Shridhar Maharaj and push some people away. And Shridhar Maharaj said, "What was he doing?" <laughs> and then he they said, "Oh, he wants to touch your your, your lotus feet." And then Shridhar Maharaj chuckled and said, "Oh, that's what he thinks it means to touch the lotus feet of the guru." <laughs> no, it's not like that. It's, it's not a physical thing. I mean, that's not bad. <laughs> I remember when I first met Prabhupada, he came to the Los Angeles airport. I had heard, of course, you know, he touched the feet of the guru. So Prabhupada just came right up to me, looked right at me, and I just went right down and I touched his feet. I thought, I got that done. <laughs> I'm done now. <laughs> Everything's full flow from here. And of course, that was happened to be true. But... Um, what Pujapachita Marsh, of course, meant was we had to come within um, that realm where, where, where feet are like lotuses, and, and we're, we're, so to speak. Um, and uh, as Prabhupada used to say, well, um, yeah, this fly is on, is, 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 is on me. So he would point to an insect, or, or he might, there might not be one, but if an insect might crawl on me, but uh, is he close to me, or are you close to me? Which is closer? You're at a distance, so it's like a question of consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we want to enter into the cable bhakti, which begins with Guru Parashraya, taking shelter of the Guru, which means beautifully um, presented by Pujapashridamars in his famous Vyasa Puja offering uh, to poem essay to Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur on one occasion that was published and um, it's uh, in its day it was published in the Harmonist magazine and it was republished in recent times in, in, in uh, the book Shigur and His Grace very nice essay um, where he speaks about the uh, necessity of help beyond one's own capabilities to solve comprehensively the problem of material existence, the guru being that an agent of that that help, the limitations of our, after all, our capabilities for, for knowing and solving the problem, answering the questions of life, are part of the problem. Our intellect, our senses, our minds, these are products of our moving in the wrong, wrong direction. They are karmic products. That, so they, they're very insufficient in terms of tools or instruments to solve the problem. They arise out of the problem. Beauty of the, be, the beauty of the solution is that it can use those things. Hmm? It can employ imperfect things and make them perfect. 
So you shouldn't think that this is not for thinking. There's a place for thinking here, for using your intelligence. Don't don't neglect using your intelligence in Krishna's service. That's also required. Mind, body, intelligence. And in one sense, at least we all come to the point of realizing that, well, my intelligence unto itself is not sufficient to sort it out. I need help from outside of that. And this is the person of Sri Guru. So Sri Guru, so Guru Padashraya, this cable bhakti begins, as Rupa Goswami says, with these these are these are these three angas taking shelter of the Guru, receiving initiation and uh, siksha and uh, serving him or her affectionately, these are the gateway angas to bhakti. Inside of Krishna bhakti that Rupa Goswami is explaining um, when he gets to the point of having a defined bhakti, how it's expressed, those angas, those limbs of the body of bhakti. These three are the gateway. So within Krishna bhakti, we find Guru Bhakti. So we can't do Krishna Bhakti, really, without, effectively, without Guru Bhakti. Mm-hmm. This is Krishna's own way. Therefore he says, Acharjamam vijaniyam navamannita karichit. <laughs> he says this to Uddhava, and Sarvadeva Mayo Guru. All the gods reside in the Guru, and uh, I myself am the Acharya. You should know that. If you study this section of the Bhagavatam, this comes in the 11th canto, Krishna is speaking about the Varnashram Guru, or to speak of the Sadguru, speaking of the Kula Guru. What to speak of? So, the, the, the principle is that anything that's worth learning that can be taught to you, Krishna's teaching you that through one medium or another whether it be the profound manifestations of nature that cause you to step back for a moment and go, oh, I'm small. I'm not, I stand at the shore of the ocean. Where does it end? It has no end. I stand at the foot of the base of a redwood in northern California and oh, I feel small. I get an epiphany. I get, I get slightly moved out of my human, individual-centric perspective that I'm not even conscious about that I'm absorbed in seeing everything from the vantage point of my sensual, mental, intellectual uh, demands. So anything that does that, anything that's worth learning, even ordinary things, Krishna's the teacher. This is the guru. In Bhagavatam it said, one cannot learn everything from one guru alone. And then a multiplicity of gurus are uh, mentioned. The bee was a guru for the avadut, the tree, I forget them all, the mountain, the river. Hmm. This is what he means. The principle may take uh, uh, any number of, of forms. The form in which that teaching comes to us in a comprehensive way, of course, we're going to give... More attention there than to what uh, we may learn from nature, although we, we, or through other mediums and so forth. Not this is not to diminish 
the person of the guru who comes into our lives and and um, and he says bandhu mui sabadanamate to that guru hmm? bandhu mui hmm? sabadanamate i i uh, offer myself hmm? um and i worship him sabadanamate with great uh, care and attention. So the point here is that he's making is that there is no way in which, no other form in which Krishna is more uh, represented and comes more closely to us hmm, than in the person of the Guru. So this manifestation of Krishna, this we would do well to pay very close attention there. This is what he's saying. This should be very uh, with great um, care and attention. Sabalamate. Hmm? I I bow down to 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 Sri Guru. Jahara Prasade Bhai E Baba Jai Krishna Prapti Hoi Jaha Hoite. So he says My dear brother, Jahara Prashade Bhai. Prashade Bhai. Bhai means brother. But here also, Vishnu Chakritakura said, Narutam is also using the word Bhai, brother, to, to refer to his own mind. So he's talking to his own mind. It's mentioned in the Gita that Udarad Atman Atmanan Atmanan Mavasadayat Atmaiva Atmano Bandur Atmaiva Ripuratmanaha. The mind is the friend of the conditioned soul and the enemy as well. It all depends upon use. Like I said before, this mind is not going to, in its own itself, solve the problems for you and bring out how beautiful you are. You can't think how beautiful you are. You are much more beautiful than you could possibly imagine. Hmm? Um, but it can be used. Hmm? It can, if it's not used properly, it certainly becomes the enemy. Very difficult. Uh, it's like someone who robbed the bank and said, "Oh, somebody just robbed the bank," hmm. and everybody says, "Where? Over there." This is the mind, right? But the mind can be trained, and this is central. Yoga, of course, and this is and this is what all of the angas of bhakti are about—to absorb the mind in Krishna. That's what it is. Therefore, somehow or other, that's how Prabhupada would reply. That's how he would translate this. How to how to practice somehow or other, absorb your mind in Krishna. It gives you a lot of leeway. Somehow or other. There are many angas that are given, but somehow or other, <laughs> if this doesn't work, try that. There's more than one way to enter the house. If you can't go with the front door, go to the back door. If you can't go through the window, do that. Try the chimney, but there's a way to get in. So that's why I say sometimes you have, you have to be skillful as a sadhana. You have to know, you really have to know why. Why? It's not about what to do, why to do, what, what does this mean, what is the purpose of this rule, and, and so forth. What am I, 
and overall, I'm saying this is the purpose to uh, absorb the mind. And if you do, well, then you're beyond the rules at that point, right? So he's speaking, and he's speaking to his mind. Prashade by a bhavaturiya jai, Krishna prakti hoi jaha hoite. So he says that um, by this, my dear mind, hmm, showing regard for Sri Guru as we have been describing hmm, and uh, understanding Sri Guru to be the very abode of Keval Bhakti and all the implications of this, what then? E Babhuturiya Jai and Krishna Prapti Hoi Jaha Hoite. It means what? That What do we get from the Guru? It's very, this is very uh, applicable to our, our uh, Gaudiya system in that we give, the Guru blesses the disciple to chant Harinam. Hmm. Right? And typically, after some time, uh, when, when the student becomes more aware of the, the underlying philosophy and theology and, and therefore is more, uh, has greater fitness practicing because if you know what you're doing well you can do it a little better usually than than if you don't know what you're doing if you understand the purpose behind it then he or she the guru will impart the krishna mantra you have krishna nam and we have krishna mantra what's the difference between the two well the difference in one sense is in krishna nam for example Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. This is the Nam Mantra, Maha Mantra it's called. It's uh, mentioned in the Upanishads as the remedial measure, the chanting of it for the uh, ills of, 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 of Kali Yuga. Iti Sodasakam Nam Nam Kalikam Nashanam Sabhaveda Shudrishite. All the Vedas say that this chanting of these 16 names like this. Uh, this is uh, will um, enable you to be uh, to overcome the the influence of of kali yuga. It's the dharma for for the yuga, for the quality of the time, if, if you will, in which we live. So he gives the guru. She gives the Krishna nam and Krishna mantra. What is Krishna mantra? Well, it's full of the names of Krishna, Gobindaya, Krishnaya. Gopi Janabalabhaya. Hmm. These are just names of Krishna, but they're in the dative case. So in Hare Krishna Mahamantra, they're in the vocative case. And in the in the, and in the Diksha Mantra, they're in the dative case. Dative case means there's a there's a petition that's involved here. A, I'm petitioning directly Swaha that to you, to Govinda, to uh, Krishna, to Gopi Janabalabhaya, different names of Krishna. Hmm which are also will stand out relative to different internal sentiments. Hmm. Um, but this is about supplication. So this is, uh, Guru, by this, this is what's being described here, by this, a baba toriya. Toriya means to cross, cross over here, cross over. A hmm. baba means the, the, like the, the world of material emotions. Hmm. So, by showing respect to the guru, and that means taking shelter of the guru, receiving diksha, serving him or her affectionately, but with regard to the diksha, we have two types of diksha in, in, in effect. 
Harinam and Diksha Mantra. The Diksha Mantra, it's mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, by the Diksha Mantra, you'll get Samsara Mochan. That means, E Baba you'll cross over material existence. And by Krishna Nam, Krishna Prapti, as he says here, Krishna Prapti Hoi Jahate. You will attain the lotus feet of Krishna. What does it mean? It means that when Sharanagati is complete, that means supplication. This is like building the dramatic stage on which the drama of Krishna Leela will be performed. That has to be built in the heart. This is the focus of sadhana. We have sadhana bhakti, we have bhava bhakti, we have prem bhakti. Hmm? You have a, you have an unripened fruit, a ripe fruit, and a ripe fruit that fell off the tree and is <laughs> offering itself to you. So um, it's all the same fruit. Hmm? Um, so when. In sadhana bhakti, the focus is sharanagati, supplication, growing one's faith, hmm, surrendering. Surrendering means, well, you have to give up other preoccupations hmm, and so forth, right? Hmm. Giving giving those up. Hmm. Um, Bhava bhakti, on the other hand, is characterized by longing. This is the stage in which longing is really appropriate. Because I've given an example before, like if you want to go to India, well, you've got to have your ticket, you have to have your passport, you have to have your visa, and uh, you have to have some, some money. If you don't have these things, then you want to go to India. You know, you just say, just something happens. I just want to go to India. And if I say, well, go get a passport. No, I want to know how to go to India. We'll get a ticket. No, I, I want to. It's just ridiculous to be. You have to do these things first, right? These are the preliminaries. Preliminaries. These are not separate from that, mm-hmm. right? When you go and you get dysentery, then you know I went to India. I I, I'm ready to come back, <laughs> but I'll go again. It was worth it. Mm-hmm. So you have to go there ultimately to know what it's like. But there's steps, preliminary steps for going there. Mm-hmm. So, when we put those preliminary steps in place, to the extent that we do, the longing for going there starts to have more meaning. Hmm? Right? If we just go and read the travelogues all the time, and, but you never, never get any money to get a ticket. Or, I want to go to India. So, Sharanagati is the focus, then, of Sadhana Bhakti, and longing is the focus of Bhav Bhakti. There's going to be some, obviously, one who's longing is a Sharanagata, and there'll be some longing within Sadhana Bhakti as well, obviously. But they're characterized, the two stages, differently. Bhakti Siddhanta Sarsati Thakur used to say that longing, what would he say? Appropriate longing, anyway. We find this very nice. Uh, Example of this in Prabhupada's prayer along uh, uh, aboard the uh, Jaladutta. It's a famous prayer where he. Um, it's a prayer to Krishna, his friend, he says. 
Hmm? And there he prays to Krishna. Krishna, that um, the fact of the matter is, he says, um, your life will be successful and if you please Radharani. And that gets Krishna's attention. And he says, and um, so, have I got your attention now? Yes. <laughs> then he says, my guru hmm, is a manjari of Radha. She has asked me to do something. So I think that if you give me the power to do what she has asked me, Radharani will be pleased with you by pleasing her maidservant, and then your life will become successful. Well, what has he, what has he asked me to, uh, you to do? What has she asked you to do? Well, it's a pretty big task to go to the Western world, preach the, the Vani of Chait- the Gorvani, the Vani of the words of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in a land that, who knows, it's a different planet, what's going on there, what they're like, and so forth. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he, the first half of this prayer, then, is all about Sharanagati. Mm-hmm. I mean, the power to be a Sharanagati. And then, having completed that path, the second, that part, the second half of his poem is all about longing. There he says, there he says Tomar milane bai abhashe shukabai gocharane guridim bor. He's long, When will that day come? When I can all day long roam in the pastures, herding cows with you and your friends, turning somersaults, tumbling playfully throughout the day. When will that day be mine? And you can see that what, what he did in terms of Guru Seva, externally, that gave rise to appropriate longing. What, what measures he put in to that, an, an example, setting an example, if you will, of Sharanagati, we have to take that longing very, very seriously, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we can have some little bit of longing, but we need to, understand, we need to apply ourselves what is the teaching, we to use our intelligence to understand the philosophy, or... And one fellow, I'm fairly philosophical. I, you know, I was giving a lecture one time, and I remember this fellow said, "You know, Maharaj, um, we really have to like whatever happened to just chant and be happy." <laughs> I said, "Why don't you do that? Because you don't know the philosophy. <laughs> you can't do it. Right? You chanting? Are you becoming happy just just that alone? I mean, that's true, hmm. but." This will help you actually to understand why you're not getting a taste. What 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 are your anarthas? What was the so on and so forth? So, Bhaktivinoda said, people in Bengal so at his time, so many people, they're chanting, hmm? but they don't have sambandagyan. Therefore, they're not getting the result. They don't have the sambandagyan that, for example, to know that the name of Darg Durga. It will not have the same effect, chanting it as chanting the name of Krishna. They don't have this basic sambandha. Hmm. So, the engine's not, 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 not starting. Hmm. It, it should bring us to that anyway, chanting. So, so, so the Krishna point I mean here is, he says, e baba like the, by the serving the guru, 
we'll get the Diksha Mantra, is the implication. We'll be able to cross over material existence. We find Gopu Kumar. He chanted his Diksha Mantra and he went. All different places, all different possible religious experiences. He had a particular destiny. His guru is described in different ways in the text. In one place, I think Krishna says, I myself became the guru and came to you. Another place, uh, I think he, he refers to Radharani sent. Well, that was a little sent me to to tell you. He's giving a story. This is the Gopakumar's teaching and so forth. Some of you are familiar with it, but but at any rate, in Gopakumar telling his own story to his disciple, being a guru figure himself, he says he explains he went so many places by chanting his mantra, but ultimately to go to Goloka to Krishna Charan. The, the lotus feet, the Charna Padma of Krishna, the lotus feet of Krishna in Vrindavan, his mantra's efficacy preceded that. In the way it left off there. And how he went to his final destination was chanting the name, the favorite, his favorite names of God. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. And being absorbed in the meditation that that gave rise to, of the leelas that are found inside the name. What's in a name? Oh. Even materially, we think. You come home and your daughter says, Oh, somebody called. Did you get his name? No. Everything is lost. If we had his name, then if we had his social security number, right, we get everything from him. His identification. So, what's in a name? Oh, hmm. Guna, uh, Rupa Guna, Lila, Parshada. Hmm. The, 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 the form is in the name. The, le- the qualities of Krishna in the name. The Leelas, his associates, which are part of the Leela, all found in, in a name. So, this is a valuable thing that Gurudev has given us. Hmm. Then he gives us the Diksha Mantra to help us take advantage of the name. So, by the Diksha Mantra, we'll cross over material existence. We'll enter into bhava, liberation. And by Krishna Nam and the subsequent meditation that that take that 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 takes over the mind, we'll be taken to the lotus feet of Krishna. So he's got good reason here to show. Respect in his opening verse to Sri Guru. And now what? Um, I lost here. Can I open it again? It's not opening. What's the time? <laughs> well, um, I don't know what happened here, but can someone give me. Yeah, the lyrics. Shri Guru Charana Padma, it says, Guru Mukha Padma Bhokya, Chitete Koriya Aikya, Arna Koriya Mane Asha. So, Guru Mukha Padma Bhokya, he goes to the next verse, he says that the, the, the Guru, uh, from, the, from the mouth, Mukya, of the Guru, comes Bhokya. 
Bokya means uh, instructions, words. Hmm? Bokya. Guru Mukha Padma Bokya. Chitte Te Kori Aikya. And you should take the words of the Guru hmm, and make them one with your own heart. Hmm? That's not very hard in one sense. Why is that? Because the Guru speaks to us, she speaks to us in such a way that we feel, that's how I think. I agree with that. I just, that really works for me. <laughs> the, the, the Guru is actually, Chaitanya Charitamrita says, in the heart as Chaita Guru and appears outside the heart as a Mahant as a sadhu. Oh my goodness. He, he, she is not some foreign imposition. Hmm? It's said in the, in the, in, 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 in the, in the Shruti, tas, one must have a guru. Sagurum eva bigachet. Sagurum tadvigyanam sagurum eva Abhibhagat, yeah. Chet. I was better at it when I was younger, but um, I must have a guru. It sounds a little like, okay, I want to step back from that, but I always looked at it differently. I must have a guru. I must have him as my guru. I must, I've been captured by his words. They, they're, they're not external to me. They, they resonate with me. It's, it's, we are already on the same page. He's saying it better than I could say it. That's right. That's it. Hmm. I feel in his presence that I'm nothing, but I could do anything. These two contradictory feelings. I'm nothing, but I could do anything. I could ascend to the highest prospect. Hmm. Although I'm nothing. Hmm. I must have a guru, him as my guru. It's a, it's a law of love, right? Yes, you agree. <laughs> so, Guru Mukha Padma Bhokya, Chitete Kuriyak. It's not hard to make our hearts one with the words of the Guru in this sense. Of course, there'll be some other details that disagree with my heart. <laughs> but I know that's not really where my heart's at. <laughs> but my heart has been taken away by somebody else over there. And I'm resonating with those ideas or those, those that, that prospect, but, it, but I know it, it's, it's not... I've already been there and it's not satisfying me. But, so this is the life of the sadhaka, of course. It's a bit of a, a, a struggle, right? to uh, focus my senses uh, in relation to sense objects for the service of Krishna rather than pursue sense objects for the service of my own senses which only foster my material identity that's made up of senses and and mind. You want to deconstruct that. It stands to reason that if you deconstruct that by a process through which your personality has come about to begin with, if you reverse this out, another personality will come out, right? Mm-hmm. An eternal one, because the object that you are serving mm-hmm. or uh, is is eternal, Krishna. So, 
bringing the senses in touch with sense objects for the pleasure of Krishna. We'll give you a body suitable hmm, for that. That's coming further as we go in the, in the, in the, in the, in the verse here. But he says here, Shiguru Charana Padma, Kebala Bhakati Sadma. So some work is there in, in, in an ongoing sense. Make my heart one with the words of the Guru. Now, the word Vakya also means, incidentally, uh, betrothed. To betroth. Hmm. So, this is ultimately what the words of the Guru are about. So we can hear the words of the Guru, we want to make our heart one with them, that, and that will be done on different levels as we go forward. Hmm. As we go forward, we'll find out what is the, we'll realize what is the heart of the Guru. Hmm. Hmm. And what's behind all of the words that he or she is talking, what's the driving principle, the bhava, the feeling, that's driving that. Hmm. And we'll want to become with that. In a broad sense, of course, in Gaudiya Vaishnavism, what is that? That is, he's concerned with the betrothment, if you will, of Radha and Krishna, to bring them together, to engage them. There's swakya inside the parakya. That's maybe one way to understand Jiva Goswami. Inside parakya, there is the strong desire for swakya. Radha wants to marry Krishna. We want to bring them together, but... The nature of the bhava is such that it's not permitted so that it, 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 it creates a certain type of ongoing uh, intrigue given the cultural setting and so forth and excitement. Hmm. So we want to bring Radha and Krishna together. This is what the guru is talking about. Hmm. This is the center stage right, of the Vrindavan Leela from different vantage points. Madhurya Rasa, of course, is directly involved in that. Sakyaras is friendly to that, helping, uh, in some, res- some some respects directly helping. Vatsalyaras is, is externally in opposition to that, which facilitates the parakya, but internally it's not. You don't think Mother Yasoda wants Krishna to marry Radha? She's got that all figured out already. So much so that when Radha comes to cook in the morning, she goes and gets some some items gives her a gift and those are the gifts that you would give hmm, to to the to the girl who you wanted to be the bride of your son she'll take them home and and uh, she's already married to somebody else too. so she, they have to be hidden by one of her manjaris so that uh, her mother-in-law doesn't doesn't see them and think what's your soda doing over there what's she talking so everybody wants this to bring Radha and Krishna together right hmm. and so this is ultimately what the Balkya of the Guru is about. And he says, and you should keep this in your heart. Chitete kori aikya. Don't go everywhere and talk about these secrets. There are other instructions that you can talk about to anyone and everybody. But now that you've come to the point to understand my heart, I share that with you. Hmm? But not with everybody who has not come to that stage. So there are other things you can share with them, but this I'm sharing with you. This is Priti Lakshan. He wrote a book a long time ago about that, right? Priti Lakshan. Hmm. What does he say? Guya Makyati Prichati. Guya Makyati Prichati. To share the secrets. Hmm. To get the guru to share his secrets with us. Oh, that, that. So that will... 
light a candle in the heart. Now that candle has to be protected from wind, that it won't go out. Hmm? So that's what's being said here. Guru Mukha Padma Bhokya Chitte Te Keep this secret instructions, these deep esoteric truths in your heart. Hmm? Hmm? Means you cultivate this bhava. You don't go and throw swine before the, or pearls before the swine, right? Hmm? Not, not, and everybody won't understand. Therefore, the developing madhyamadikari, hmm, intermediate, advanced devotee, hmm, will check even the symptoms above, like tears, and so forth. That, that, that people won't be attracted just just by that alone, but by the teaching. Hmm? Um, uh, to understand the underlying uh, philosophy that uh, is the ground, out of, so it's the soil out of which this will, will grow. Uh, so Naratam in other places in his Prem Bhakti Chandraka, I believe in Prem Bhakti Chandraka, uh, he has emphasized this point. Yeah, in Prem Bhakti Chandraka he says that you don't... Uh, the, uh, the, uh, you have to keep this bhava private, so to speak. Now, there may be places to speak about it. Hmm? And there's a difference between speaking about the flame of the candle and speaking in such a way as to put a candle that hasn't been lit yet. Hmm? Do you understand? You've got to put the candle in the heart. Hmm? So there's something called rasa tattva, the tattva about rasa, hmm? the philosophy about it. Hmm? What, what is rasa? What isn't rasa? What are the different rasas? How are they different? And so forth. What's particular about the rasa that 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 that, that, that you will uh, experience? Hmm? This is like giving the candle. Got to give the candle. But once the flame is lit, then hmm, it's like we wrote a book about Prabhupada and all of his statements about his affinity for Sakirasa. Hmm. It's a very nice little book, and uh, some of my godbrothers said, "You know, this is not something to talk about." Hmm. I said, "I'm not talking about it." Prabhupada did, you know, there's all the things he said, but uh, but 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 we're we're not we're talking about we're giving the candle here, hmm. the light. What are his particularities within? If he should reveal that hmm, about him. That may that may mean something, not for everybody. But let's get the candle. So the, anyway, there's a difference between the two. It's important. Books like Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, even Ujjwal and Money, they're really they're really candles. They're talking about what what is the tattva of rasa. So this is important to us. It won't be important to everybody at at once, but at a certain point. You know, what are the what's that stai something and Lipipralamba this and all these words. Of course, we have to be careful in that too that we don't just get caught up because we can fling out a few Sanskrit words and it's ah mystical. They have a basic translation, but <laughs> what they mean, you could say them in English too. It's, it's some of them, I mean, some of them are not that easily defined. It might take a few words and a few sentences in a paragraph, but um, but anyway, there there is that there there is a possibility, and Bhaktivinoda speaks of this, of an advancing devotee developing a taste to become enamored by that and a way to use that in the public and 
and bring attention to himself. And I caused the light to go out or to flicker. I'll tell you myself that I had uh, uh, my first, uh, one of my deeper early experiences as, uh, as, as, as a sadhaka was in Los Angeles in the temple that probably called New Dwarka. And I used to come back at night after going out and selling Prabhupada's books. I used to go out by myself and take the bus out to Hollywood Boulevard and sell books. And then I would, for an hour, and then I would chant for 20 minutes, and then I would sell books, and then I'd get back on the bus and go back to the temple. That was my routine. So uh, at night I'd come back and I'd uh, take prasadam and, and uh, you know, bathe and take prasadam. And then I'd go to the last arctic. Well, they had this arctic, you know, shine arctic or something. It was like at 8 o'clock at night or something before the deities would take rest. So there was hardly ever anybody in the temple at that time. Mm-hmm. And um used to play a recording, maybe, of Prabhupada chanting, and then the Pujari would be there. So I would come in every night and see the deities. And uh, so one night I was there before uh, Jagannath, on the one side, right-hand altar, Jagannath Subhadra. And, and so... Jagannath began to dance and spoke to me, and I wept and I wept and there was no one there, and then I then it was over and I went outside and I crawled inside of a van, hmm? closed the door and tried to get underneath the footmat, hmm? you know the, you know the footmats. I felt so like unworthy hmm? of of such a, a blessing, an experience, and and I, that I wanted to hide my my ecstasy. So, in my own experience, this is this is the the, the natural, uh, you know, result. So, if we, for some somehow or other, don't react like that, having come out of that, and then somehow bring attention to ourselves, this is this is cautioned against, so to speak. So that's like um, what he's saying here. Keep this in your heart. Hmm. I mean, I just told you something, but it's just, I'm just telling you a story. Um, but uh, <laughs> but but uh, those are the, the you can the deities will speak to you too. That's not a, such a big thing. It is. A, they're 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 more secrets. Let's say they're more secrets. So he's saying you protect your bhava. Hmm? Understand what uh, protect it and, and grow it. Naturally, so and Sri Guru Charan Irati Ese Uttamagati Prashade Pure Sarva Asha. He says, um, well, he says, Chite Te Kuri Aikir Arana Kuri Humani Asha. So don't aspire for anything else. Hmm? Just the words of the Guru are sufficient in themselves. Prabhupada used to say, I think Prabhupada used to say, one one letter from the Guru is sufficient to. You know, to instruction for to become perfect, and Prabhupada got a letter from Bhakti Siddhanta when he wrote to him and said, "I have not been able to serve the mission directly, being a householder. If there's any service I could do, Guru Maharaj, please tell me." Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta wrote back to him and said, "I think it would be good for you if you could speak in English." Mm-hmm. Um, and Prabhupada took it as an order. He told my Guru Maharaj ordered me to do this, and, and I, he became perfect just by. Focusing on this one, one instruction. Hmm. So such is the power. So, 
put all the other other desires aside. Shiguru Nocharani Rati Ese Uttamagati. So you'll get the feet of Krishna. No, no, at the feet of Guru, he says, uh, attachment Rati to the feet of the Guru. Ese Uttamagati is the greatest attainment. Well, the thought is that sometimes that I follow the Guru to get the greatest attainment. How can the feet of Guru attachment to that be the attainment? Hmm? itself. The idea here, what, what he's saying here is that the guru is eternal. Hmm? So, with regard to the inner life that he spoke about in the first half of this verse, hmm, the guru doesn't give the uh, help us to uh, attain that and disappear. One time, uh, Prabhupada was bathing in the Ganga we took him to the Ganga in Mayapur to bathe. He wanted to go. It was a short walk, but he was older, and and uh, so we, you know, we went with him. And then he he stepped in and he he bathed in the Ganga, and then he reached his hand up, and Babananda put his hand out to pull Prabhupada out. So Prabhupada allowed him to pull him to pull him out. And then Prabhupada went like this and threw his hand down. And Bhavananda was, what? What did I do wrong? And Prabhupada said, that is my abad. Prabhupada said. <laughs> they use the guru to attain and then they dispense with the guru altogether. We are not like that. Because in my abad, even Krishna is just a, just a, a medium to attain something. I mean, it's, it's bizarre. This beautiful form of Krishna with these fascinating charming leelas hmm? and super extraordinary qualities such a qualified handsome youthy he is I mean it's unbelievable hmm? and we're going to use him to enter into something that has no guna no qualities no form no movement it's going to be quiet and it's compared to going to sleep without dreaming I mean you should you should when you get a chance if you have the opportunity to rise this when you have a discussion with somebody about this, you should let them know. You know, there's a little difference between your ideal and ours. I'm talking about the, the, the Mayavad perspective. Hmm. You, your goal is to go to sleep. It's, it's compared to sleeping, dreamless sleep. Hmm. It's restful. Yeah, if you wake up, <laughs> you know it's restful. <laughs> it was anyway. The example is given, of course, to a uh, uh, deep sleep, Shushupti. The mind closes down, the body closes down, but you're still there. Hmm. But uh, but in Mayavad, in Advaitavad, is there any bliss? Jiva Goswami, Rupa Goswami, Goswami said there's a little bliss. You ended suffering. But how can there be bliss? There's nothing. Bliss is, you get, is it requires an interaction. There's no interaction. I mean, it, it's. I'd love to talk, with those, talk to one of those Shankaracharyas. This is, these, kind of, these, are, these are the simple ways in which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu made his case hmm, to persons like Prakashananda Saraswati or uh, Venkatabhata or Sarvabhoma in simple ways. Hmm. Uh, he said to the Shaivites who argue with the Vaishnavites, who's, who's superior, Vishnu or Shiva? He said, well, I don't know. You know but Shiva takes the Ganges on his head and that's the foot wash of Vishnu. Maybe Vishnu? <laughs> Maybe. What do you think? So, 
common sense is hard to come by. Pujapatrita Marsh compared bhakti to common sense and gave the example of Alexander the Great, who was uh, amongst those who were told, whoever amongst you warriors can untie the Gordian knot will conquer the land ahead, which was India. So, so many great stalwarts came and tried to untie the knot, and they were unsuccessful. And Alexander, as a youth, said, I can do it. And everybody laughed at him. And he came up and pulled out his sword and cut it. He conquered India, right? So, a little common sense is very uncommon, unfortunately. Bhakti is full of common sense. I've given some some examples. So, he says, Shri Guru Charanarati, Esai Uttamagati. The Uttamagati, the ultimate goal, is attachment to the feet of the Guru. It means the Guru is eternal. So the Guru is not left behind. We will enter there, and Gurudev will be there also, in a corresponding form. In a group, we will follow a paradigmatic figure in the Leela, Lalita, Vishaka, Rupa Manjari, Subal, Sridham, so forth and so on. And Gurudev will also be there. And with his permission, we'll have some direct service. This idea. So there's nowhere, there's nowhere that in any school of Vedanta, I would say, where the guru figure is more important, it plays a role from the beginning with no end. That's a good thing, right? So that's why he says, Attainment of the, attachment to the feet of the guru is itself the uttam gati, hmm. and the ultimate means the ultimate goal. Ye prasade puri sarva asha. So, by his mercy, he says, all desires will be fulfilled. Now, what does that mean? Hmm. Remember what the context we were talking about. What is the Guru Vakya? What does it mean to keep it in the heart in the fullest sense? Such a deep revelation. Hmm? Attachment to his feet is itself the ultimate goal. I see him Guru Gurudev in 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 terms of his or her bhav and existing in the in 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 the Paravyom and so forth, and and he will, by his mercy, all your desires are fulfilled. It means desires in relation to all these things will be fulfilled. Hmm? Now, Prabhupada once said, we should make little Gornatai deities and give them the people with a stick of incense and tell them, wave this incense at these statues and chant. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, and all your desires will be fulfilled. <laughs> he had an idea like that. This is the kind of liberty that my Gumarish had with Krishna. What about all the rules for deity worship? This Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu. He had the liberty to say those kind of things, and they'd go, really? Okay. <laughs> now, this is a provisional kind of thing, obviously. You fulfill all your desires, and people think, yeah, I got all kinds of desires. That's not what's being mentioned here, right? 
when it says the guru will fulfill all of your desires, it means the desires that will come hmm, in relation to the ideal that has become entered your heart by the grace of the guru. Hmm, how to serve Krishna. Chakudanli lojay janme janme prabhushe de prakashita. So Chakudanli lojay says that. He who gives the gift of transcendental vision is my master birth after birth. Janme Janme Prabhuse. He manifests divine knowledge within uh, one's heart. Chakudandi Lojay, it means this. It means that, uh, of course, we say that uh, we should learn to see with uh, eyes of the scripture, Shastra Chakshu. So, a new set of eyes. This is our, our third eye through the scripture. Which which gives us a way of looking at the world is very different than materialized under themselves. What what reading they will give us, right? Mm-hmm. So we distance ourselves from the one when it doesn't correspond with the other, with with, with a scriptural perspective. But what's being said here further is that um, eyes they guide us, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we see and we go accordingly. Um, and then we touch and feel and, and smell and hear where where they have uh, shown us a, a prospect to, to go from this place to the next. So he's beginning with the eyes, but what he's saying is that that by the uh, by the grace of the guru, you will attain a sadaka deha, hmm? means a, a practitioner's body, in which the eyes are divine and by extension. All of the senses are divine because they're all being used in uh, in relation to sense objects, as we said earlier, for the pleasure of Krishna. That, as that sadhaka day becomes perfect, then janme janme prabhu say. If it takes a while, he says, if it takes a while, it's a, that all of you, Tashi Krishna Namali. With material senses, you cannot see Krishna, you cannot hear Krishna, you cannot feel Krishna. Hmm? So by serving, beginning with the tongue, by vibrating the holy name, hmm, then given by the Guru, then gradually all the senses will be purified. Hmm? First we said, it's, if we get eyes of the scriptures, okay, we'll do that start to spiritualize the eyes. Then gradually, through this practice of, of converting the enjoying ego to a serving ego, all of the senses will become spiritualized. Hmm. And if it takes a while, it might. Bhaktivinotakur, in some of his books, he has said, Yugas, to move from one stage to the next, could be a possibility. Adivya Yuga, to move from Nishta to Ruchi, it's possible. See, if you, that's why it's important to understand this. You hear this regularly, get good association. You can't give it up no matter how long it takes. It doesn't matter. When you become resolved to that, resigned to that, then progress will be, will be rapid, comparatively. But what he says here is that the guru is so determined to help you hmm, that birth after birth, Janme Janme Prabhu say, he's my Lord, birth after birth, he will come birth after birth after birth hmm, until you're perfect. Hmm. 
This is hard to understand, but not hard to understand. It has to be, we'll think. How is it possible? My guru has gone to the uppercut. We say, Nityalila Prabhishto, Mishnupad, he's gone to the Nityalila. Hmm? How will he come? Will he look the same? I'll be in a different body. How will I recognize? Of course, the Guru is Krishna, coming in different forms. We can look at it like that. But one time, this question was asked to Pujapat Sridharmarsh by some of Prabhupada's disciples after Prabhupada had left, departed, and they were very, of course, attached to him. We were, and so we asked, what will, what, does the Guru, will he come back? So there's the general answer. Well, the Guru is coming back because the principle of the Guru is coming back, right? The Guru is Krishna, coming in different forms. And it won't feel any different because it's Krishna. But at the same time, he's, he, 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 he gave that answer and he saw, they're not quite satisfied with that. <laughs> he said, but if the disciples are ardent for him to return, then he will go to Krishna and the Nityalila and say, they're calling me. And Krishna said, well, I can send somebody else. Says, no, they want me. It's me there. Then all right, you go. Something like that. He explained it like that. The point only is that how the dynamics or to what extent we should have confidence that, let me put this back on. Excuse me. That uh, birth after birth, hmm? he, she, the guru, is committed to this. We find in the, in the, in the story of Gopakumar when he finally arrives in Goloka. Krishna says, "I watched. Oh, so many doors you knocked on, and they slammed in, the, in your face. You were begging on my behalf. You went through so many things for me. I was there with you, with you the whole time." Hmm? And now finally you've come. I've been looking down the path. Every day I go hurting, and I look down the path. Is he coming? Hmm? And he feels like that about all of you. Is he coming? And through the medium of Guru, he's coming to to bring you life after life after life. Hmm? That turned the book upside down. <laughs> <laughs> Prema Bhakti Jahahuiti Abhidya Bhinashayate Videgai Jahara Charita. So, from the Guru, Prema Bhakti emanates, and by Sri Guru's influence, ignorance is destroyed, and the Vedic scriptures sing of his character. So, there are many features to ignorance. Avidya is the core of our entanglement. And bhakti uproots it at the core. That's its power. All our karmic implications are rooted in avidya. While jnana can eradicate the karmic implications that have yet to bear fruit, that are waiting for their time. Hmm. Um, but it cannot deal with the prabdha, the present karma. Bhakti can, such as its efficacy. It can uproot at the core, at the, at the, the genesis of our problem, the avidya, which takes different uh, different forms, and the kleshas, it means all these things, anarthas. Hmm? Um, so prema bhakti jaha hoite, from the guru prema bhakti emanates, and one of its 
side effects, if you will, is that in in sharing itself ultimately with with the with the disciple is that abhidhibhinash, it, it destroys ignorance, and, and the, the implication is that it it is it is the comprehensive method for eradicating the inter- ignorance comparatively, as I've as I've just explained, bidege jahara charitani, and 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 as such, Veda, I mean, the Vedas sing about him, his character, the character of the Guru. We'll go on, finish here. Shri Guru Karuna Sindhu Adhamarjanarabandhu Lokanath Loke Rajivan. So Shri Guru, he says, speaks about his compassion. He's He's driven by what is said in the previous verse. Life after life, he's going to come. He's an ocean of compassion, he says here. Karuna Sindhu. Hmm? Uh, there's, it, it is, there's no limit to, uh, as there is, doesn't appear to be, to the, to the ocean when we stand on the shore of, as to a compassion. Adhamarjan Arbandhu. What is an example of that? Hmm? He's an ocean of mercy, and he's a friend the the bandhu the friend of the adhama lowest hmm? the fallen he's the friend of the fallen are you are you disqualifying the fallen people hmm? we hope not hmm? reminds me of something terrible with the relation to the war one of my disciples namarasana she's in poland and She's helping with other devotees there in our Sangha to give shelter to people. The devotees and just ordinary people. They have the three million people who've come in, um, you know, in exodus from, from Ukraine. And so um, I encouraged her. I explained to her that that uh, there's, a, there's a social welfare aspect of Gaudiya Vaishnavism that was headed by Nityananda Prabhu. Mm. That's an interesting um, story in itself, uh, or aspect of the, the dispensation of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, giving Prema Bhakti, but social upliftment at the same time. Nityananda Prabhu was, and his, his associates were involved in that, feeding people, giving housing during the famine in, in, uh, in, uh, in Bengal and so forth. Mm. And um, so I encouraged her, yes, that's just good, you feel that way. And she was feeling enthused by that. But she said the thing that there's something that's really disturbed me more than the war and and the plight of the Ukrainians. The Polish and the Ukrainian people are are close together, close, uh, you know, they relate to one another also. And I said, so, and so what's that? She said, well, that some spiritual groups and religions hmm, and even some devotees have spoken about their plight in ways that are uh, unbecoming. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I just can't relate to that. I'm shocked by that. That is the most stunning thing, the most disconcerting thing. The head of the Russian Orthodox Church said, this is actually a metaphysical war. Because in Ukraine they have gay pride parades. So this has been ordained by God, and Putin is the representative. I mean, he's the head of a friggin' church. <laughs> this is horrible, horrible. And then some devotees had said, "Well, they're all meat eaters, so what do you expect?" Mm-hmm. 
They're getting their karma. I mean, why are you a vegetarian? Did you ever think about it? Why are you a vegetarian? Be kind to other living beings. And you have no kindness. And, and the, the beings that you're being kind to, they eat other things, other beings. They're not all vegetarians. Right? So some humans, they may be even subhuman. They eat meat. They don't know any better. You think they're going if you eat meat, you're going to get the bad result that, that's talked about. They may not get the they won't get the same result that you will because you know better. You have no kindness for them. What, what, what is your vegetarianism? And what does it have to do anyway with bhakti, ahimsa? It's the principle. Hmm. Nonviolence. Anyway, terrible, just terrible, shocking. These things should be called out, understood for, for what they are. Hmm. So, Adhamarjanarabandhu, he's the friend of the fallen people. He has compassion. It's an oceanic. It means it's not just compassion just for devotees. Krishna has compassion for devotees. He doesn't interact with other people because they're not within the, the within within the circle of the antaranga shakti that he that that that, uh, that he moves. But through his devotees and the guru, who is the incarnation of his mercy. I was once in, in standing, I used to, as I used to, next to Prabhupada's Vyasa-san in Los Angeles, and he gave a lecture and said, so, the Guru is the incarnation of Krishna's mercy. Just like, just like, really worked for me. <laughs> like, as you can see, I just one of those things you just remember. Hmm. Later I found in Sundarbas, and as mentioned, the Guru is the Kripa, the, 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 the devotee, the Guru, the Vaishnava, the Kripa uh, avatar. Hmm of Krishna, the Kripa Shakti of Krishna. So he extends his compassion outside of the the, the, the circle of his own uh, direct influence to devotees who are who are in the world and had experience of material suffering and they share their compassion to the ordinary people. Sometimes with Prabhupada we driving with property in the in India you'd stop at the light and there'd be beggars would come up, you know, and they would have one hand Prabhupada asked for some rupees and give to them. And some, one of my godbrothers was standing on the balcony that rented temple in, in Calcutta with Prabhupada. And when some beggars were down below. And he said to Prabhupada, Prabhupada, you know, sometimes I actually feel sorry for them. And Prabhupada looked at him and said, why only sometimes? He was thinking, it's Maya, I know, I shouldn't feel sorry for them. It's just their karma. Hmm. This very like harsh uh, bhakti is about softening the heart. That's what it's about. When he said the guru is an ocean of mercy, of compassion, it's it's boundless. Boundless it means it doesn't mean just for the just for the advanced devotees, for all devotees, and for non devotees also, and the plight of people hmm, in this world. I mean, we we're not going to go and open in necessarily. Maybe occasions like Namarasana and the group there they have opportunity. To, to do something, you know, of a, of a kind of a lower level compassion, if you will. It's not bringing a comprehensive solution, but um, but it's something that's direly needed. They they can't just divorce their heart from that. I mentioned the work of Nityananda He's called Patita Patita Pavana. Patita means Pavana means the friend of the fallen. He's the friend of the friend of the fallen. 
And during the famines in Bengal, he he had money, so he he, he built houses for people and built ten. He had a ten-acre kitchen set up to feed people during the famine. This Nityananda's eternal associate doing this. We have no no scope for for such for for having the feeling at least. Hmm. So so anyway, Shri Guru Karuna Sindhu Adamarjanarabandhu. So it means he's a friend of the fallen. So we have to feel fallen to be his friend. This is the success of Gaudiya Vaishnava. I feel fallen. Not I feel I'm making progress, I'm important, uh, uh, I'm fallen. Uh, some commentators say with regard to Rasalila, when the gopis wept, then that was it. Then Krishna reappeared. That is, that's the culmination. They wept. Hmm. So this is the crying yoga. They haven't started that one yet. We are. We, we got the <laughs> we got the patent on that one. Crying yoga. They got laughing yoga. <laughs> we got crying yoga. <laughs> hmm. Cry and no. Hmm. It is Lokanath Lokera Jivan. So Lokanath, of course, is as I mentioned in the beginning, the name of his guru. Hmm. Um, he says, "Oh, master." Um, Loganath, please be merciful and give me the shade of your lotus feet. Lokanath, um, Lokanath, but in, in a broader sense, Lokanath, Loka means world, means people. Lokanath, uh, Lord of the world. Hmm. Yeah. And the life of everyone, Lokira Jivan, Lokanath Lokira. It, uh, it gets often taken in a broader context to refer to the principle of Guru, hmm? the Samasti Guru, the macrocosmic Guru Tattva that appears microcosmically in different individuals and so forth. So he's written in such a way that it's applicable not only to his own Guru. Whose name happened to be Lokanath, which has that that meaning, and he says, "Ha ha, Prabhu Korodoya." Hmm. So this "ha ha" me is like uh, calling out in anguish. It's, this is this is Naratam. calling out. It's such an he's such an advanced, I mean, a superlative devotee, and he's feeling in this way. "Ha ha, Prabhu Korodoya." Dehomore padejoy tuopade loi lo sharan ebejas kushukutribuwan. I surrender at your feet. May your fame be proclaimed throughout the three worlds. Narutam Thakur Ki Jai. Narutam Paribar Ki Jai. Bhaktivinod Paribar Ki Jai. Gaur Bhaktivinoda Ki Jai. Gaur Premananve. So I thank you for the opportunity to speak with you on this day, commemorating my own uh, birth. I remember once uh, in a Navadweep in Sridhar feet on his veranda. One of my gobblers said, Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj Guru Maharaj, she said, today is a very inauspicious day. And Sridhar said, really? <laughs> what happened? What, what, what's, you know, what's in the stars? And he said, today's my birthday. And Sridhar said, oh no, don't, don't think like that. Hmm? You, in this life you've got a human birth. That's very rare. 
how many there's more species on the end of my finger than you could count human beings on the planet. Hmm. It's a very rare birth, and it gives one a great opportunity. Hmm. What does Gobinda say? Dulaba manava janama satsange. Dulaba manava janama. To have the birth as a human, this is very rare. And with that, Sridhar said, Dulaba manava janama, quoting Gobinda's prayer, Dulaba manava janama satsange. Tahara e bhava sindure. Along with that, you have Satguru. My Godbrother Vishnu John Marsh used to say, the distance we have traveled thus far before meeting our Guru is far greater than the distance we have to go from here. That is just a short, very short distance. To put these two things together, human birth and satsanga, hmm, this is the recipe then. Hmm, he said so. It's a very auspicious day. So, in this life I got human birth. This life I got more than one sadguru. <laughs> so I'm very blessed, and I, um, I want to share that blessing with you, living for that. So I think of all of you from one time or another. Hmm. Some of you more than, for good reasons, for more than others, and some for bad reasons, for more than others. <laughs> so try to appreciate you know, what good opportunities has, has uh, come to us through our Paribar from Bhakti Vinod Thakur and take advantage of that. And love one another, love everybody. Love is the answer. Shri Sri Gornatananda Ki Jai, Krishna Balaram Ki Jai, Radha Gubinda Dev Ki Jai, Bhod Premanandi. Can we sing this song? This divine grace, Bhakti Vinod Thakur, Swami Guru Maharaj Ki Jai. Shri Guru Charana Padma. Kevala Bhakati Sadma Shri Guru Charana Padma Kevala Bhakati Sadma Bandon we savodhana mate Bandon we savodhana mate Padma bhakya chitte te koriya aikya Guru mukha Padma bhakya chitte te koriya aikya